welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Hello and welcome to DevCast, Devril Smith's audio series which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with professionals within the property industry. I'm Kevin Boachi, I'm a senior consultant across the development and construction space here at Devril Smith and today I'm joined by Toby Ogundepe, founder of Diverse. Toby is the founder of Diverse, a careers platform supporting underrepresented young professionals. His mission is to democratise access to the best early careers advice in an engaging format before connecting job candidates to inclusive employers. Toby, nice to have you with us today. Um, And I really appreciate it, I guess, if you could give our listeners an overview of who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. You've been on my podcast. I thought, you know, only right to jump on yours and uh, exchange and you can you can grill me this time. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for having me. As I said, my name is Toby. I'm founder of Diverse and uh, yeah, really committed to helping young professionals from all sorts of different demographics um, land jobs with really inclusive employers. So what I want to do and, and what I was annoyed by was the impact of the virus on the job market for young people, um, particularly black and ethnic minority students and graduates who are kind of really hard hit um, and there's that danger of long-term unemployment and I just want to do everything I can to to help uh, alleviate some of that so what I essentially do is is create free resources that they can consume try and give them the best possible early career advice when it comes to interviews applications and networking um, and then find employers that are looking to attract a more diverse early career applicant pool and rather than just sort of leaving it there we actually help them through the process as well so that they're more likely to be successful so uh yeah i, I have to say I'm, I'm super happy i feel like i've got an incredible opportunity to be able to do this uh, full time so I absolutely love it fantastic uh, and i think i kind of picked up on there you, you mentioned that you started it out of the back end of covid was that the real driver for you um, or do you kind of have intentions to do this before yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I've thought about. I didn't, I, I didn't always know what it would be. You know, I always thought I want to help out uh, young people who are underrepresented in in their industries. You know, I kind of had that as a feeling of long term. I want it to be so that they can go to whatever company and there's just um, a diverse range of people, top to bottom, and it's just normal. And we're not even having these conversations anymore. That's always the kind of the future I want to I want to see. Um, yeah. And then COVID sort of led to me seeing, okay, this is exactly how I can do it because I've been down this route myself. I've done internships, placements, grad schemes, entry-level roles. And there's lots of people out there who don't have someone who's, who's been on that path before. You know, lots of them, they, uh, they're the first in their family to go to university in the UK. Um, yeah. They're kind of getting onto campus and uh, there's lots of different things to juggle, your studies, your social life. If they're from a lower socioeconomic background, they've maybe got a part-time job as well, which is very common. And uh, they're just far less likely to be applying for these kind of internships and spring weeks and so on. So they're just Mm. far less competitive when it comes to entry-level positions. So I just want to try and help change all this. And the stats 
from the the, the the job market were, especially for, for black heritage people. I mean, randomly, uh, we were kind of more at risk of dying from the virus, which is just, you know, yeah. a, a, a really unfortunate in itself, you know, long term mm -hmm. implications with mental health. And then yeah. finally, you know, the job market. So I thought, you know, let me really target that third one and do what mm -hmm. I can to, to help. So that, that's oh. really how the, the business was born. And then obviously we've had a massive spotlight on diversity and inclusion. You know, yeah. finally, finally, there's been a big pendulum <laughs> swing. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that it took the event of last year with George Floyd in particular yeah. um, to, to kind of spark that. Um, but now we've kind of seen a big wave and, and massive change with diversity and inclusion, which has obviously led to massive demand for, for my organization. Awesome, awesome. A very, I mean, a highly commendable initiative. And, and I guess, you know, today our, our DevCast is going out to a property or to the property market for specific types of Devil Smith. And I guess my next question will be, you know, what does a diverse workforce mean for you? You know, if you're to say to somebody, your workforce should be diverse, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's about having variety in terms of mm. social category. So, you know, that can be, you know, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation, um, backgrounds. Uh, in the simplest form, you just want a mixture of people from different places, right? You know, the, the, the last thing you want is to only hire from a certain demographic who've mm. all been to the same uni, they're all from a similar area, because then you're not going to get diversity in thought and opinion and perspective, yep. which is what you need to survive as a business. So, you know, I, I just try and think about it that way. How can we just make sure we've got we're bringing everyone in, into the room, you know, disability as well. Uh, you know, people who've had a completely different perspective can add value to our business meetings in its yep. simplest form, you know. Yep. And, and we can kind of go into the reasons why it's important. It, sometimes it's difficult to have it, that conversation because it's so obvious why it's important. Yeah. But, you know, people want to be part of diverse teams. I obviously have a, um, a cohort of candidates who are looking for roles who are, are from these, the, these demographics that we're talking about. And they often want to know, you know, how diverse is the organization? That's a big plus for them. If they can see, oh, someone like me works there and they're thriving in their role. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, if you're not diverse or you're not welcoming diversity in its simplest form, you're going to miss out on top, top talent, right? Because you're, you're narrowing 100%. yourself. 100%. And then there's also, you know, report after report on statistics behind effective teams. So McKinsey, yeah. PwC, more diverse teams are more, defect, more effective, simple as that. So if nothing else, you're hurting your bottom line by not sort of trying to focus on diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Not least because the customers you're probably trying to talk to represent a diverse um, demographic, right? So just think about it from a bottom line standpoint, if it hasn't um, become a big focus yet, I guess. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And, and I think furthermore, is it just about having the diverse workforce or is it also having an appreciation of different people? Because I think you can have a scenario whereby, you know, let's say you've got BAME talent and you've got, you know, kind of fairly diverse workforce in terms of gender or sexual orientation. But I think the appreciation of it is, is also quite key just to actually appreciate that we do have these people as opposed to just having them there to tick a box. 100%. Yeah. And if you don't do that, they're just going to all leave anyway. You know, yeah. if people get to... So, you know, the, the clients that I work with, if they hire candidates from my network, but they don't have, um, you know, inclusion is the second part of this, right? So diversity yep. is, is, a, is the part where we talk about representation. 
um, so they kind of say diversity is kind of um, uh, having everyone in the in the nightclub or whatever and inclusion yeah. is about um, inviting them to dance you know dance, so yeah. it's a it's a it's a different thing and so yeah if you don't have initiatives in place to just kind of make sure these people feel really engaged and involved and happy to be there um, and you're not sort of benefiting from them then absolutely they're just going to leave anyway so sure. um, yeah and 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 I think especially now this has been a big focus so people are thinking do I want to stay in this organization are they really serious about diversity and inclusion are they actually backing up their statements with action or is it just a checkbox exercise yeah and if it is a checkbox exercise you're going to find you'll lose your best people how important do you think it's going to be diversity and inclusion kind of you know the initiative or I guess the you know the drive for diversity inclusion how important do you think that's going to be businesses post-covid I think we know having most industries having worked from home and I guess, you know, more specific to property industry, having had people working from home and people, I guess, detached from the day to day working life now returning. How important do you think having a strong DNI policy is going to be for these businesses? I think it's massively important. I think we've seen an inflection point now. There's some debate about, you know, whether this is going to continue, whether this is always going to be the focus. For me personally, I think this is a massive inflection point in that um, it's it's had such a shine on it. We can kind of see yep. which companies are doing really well. So there's mm. there's kind of no excuse in the sense of like now we can see what good really looks like. Yep. And once it becomes and it has now uh, an important decision making factor in where I want to work that's just something that is quite simple now for companies. Okay, we probably, we need to make sure diversity and inclusion is deeply embedded into our HR and our culture um, because it's now on the top five of things that people are mentioning on their list of, this is what I want to see in my employer. Yeah. Especially for Gen Z as well, um, which is the, the area I've got my expertise in. This cohort we're talking about- You just want to elaborate a little bit on Gen Z? Yeah, Gen Z, so, uh, yeah, so oldest of Gen Z would be 24. Um, I think youngest are probably, I don't know, the, the back end of actually, but it's roughly, you know, 18 to 24 for this purpose. Yeah. So you think about current students and recent graduates, basically. Yeah. Um, hugely, hugely socially conscious. You know, when they make their purchase, purchase decisions about, you know, what coat to buy, they're thinking, okay, Patagonia do all these great things um, socially. That's kind of the brand I want to be getting involved in. That's just how they start to think now. And, yeah. you know, we're in this culture of they, they just like to watch and observe on social media. And then they give their stamp of approval on, yeah. you know, is this cool? Is this welcoming? Is this inclusive? Does this represent the culture or not? You know, is that kind of thing. So I, I only see it being more and more important. And then there's a simple fact that this uh, graduate class, in terms of university graduate this summer is the most diverse ever and then yeah. the following year will be the same as well more diverse so. of course of course do you think the property industry can do a lot more in, in terms of improving its talent attraction when it comes to diversity um do you, do you think a lot more can be done and, and if so i guess for, for the listeners today how, how do they go about that because i think a lot of firms have maybe have the intention to do so but how do they actually practically do that when it comes to same diversity, gender diversity, sexual orientation. How, how do we actually kind of go around that? Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's a difficult challenge for the property industry, right? Because if you think about it at its core, um, it's kind of something that is is quite segregated in itself as just yeah. as a 
people thinking about property if yep. you're quite young you probably maybe only think about property if your family has been involved in buying and selling cool. and therefore you're going to be more affluent so you've you've already got a challenge on day one which mm. a lot of under, in other industries don't have um but yeah they can absolutely i feel do much more i think property it's actually a wonderful space to be in though because for, for this for this reason because what you can do is educate so there's a there's actually a really good Instagram um, channel by done by someone in my in my uh, community uh, called okay. Property in Twelve on Instagram, and okay. just go have a look at it. It's, it's it's really incredibly well done. What he essentially does is give tips on buying um, and investing and developing properties and all just the little things of you know how does a buy to let mortgage work and yeah. just really the basics to help you understand. And so what he's doing is essentially just adding value to people in an engaging way. And you'll have, you'll see it's very like colorful and, you know, lots of uh, graphics and that kind of thing in an engaging way at that target audience who historically haven't been able to maybe get access to that information easily. There's always places you can go, but if I'm a young person, I've got lots of stuff to balance. I'm probably just going to be scrolling through Instagram. So, but what he's doing, which I think is interesting is adding value, giving tips, to, to this target demographic first and yep. engaging with them. So if I'm a property company, I would be looking at, I would be looking at that page exactly and thinking, let's replicate this. Let's have really engaging content where we help the young people understand what this whole property thing is all about. Once yep. we capture their interest around that, we're just building our brand and, and helping them and that develops brand affinity. Um, mm. And then when it comes to opportunities, guess what? They'll be much more likely to apply. That cool. is kind of the same way I've thought about my platform, right? In terms of build, uh, sharing careers content in an engaging way. Now suddenly I've helped them. They're much more likely to apply for a job when I kind of suggest it to them. So that broadly speaking is what I would say is try to find the target audience that you're lacking um and then try and add value to them and uh this is where i think a lot of organizations have gone wrong they'll mm. just find sort of a job board put a put a job put a job on and say okay i'm sure we'll get a diverse applicant pool now um now that we've got a job on this this job board it's not the case because the perception of the organization the perception yep. of the industry you know are they going to be successful when if they do actually apply there's all of these challenges yeah so, those questions Exactly. So, and obviously I have a community, a, a community that is diverse, but there are lots of others as well. So you kind of just find these communities, you engage with them, you give them value first, and then you ask them to apply for yeah. your jobs, not the other way around. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I think just, just to reiterate that it's, it's add value first before asking them to come work for you, as opposed to just saying work for me without adding any value. I think that's, that's a really key kind of takeaway from me from from that point there and I guess kind of naturally following on from that then you know what are some of the short-term changes that companies can make or even individuals can make and then I guess following on from there what are some of the long-term changes we can make in order to ensure that we do have a more diverse workforce in in, in the years to come yeah I guess short term you know talking first of all you know having mm. round tables so yep. um, if you don't have discussions about it how do you know what the problems are how, if you don't know what people are feeling you're sort of just a bit shooting in the the wind really and I do have uh, sympathy for employees because if this hasn't been a massive focus for for a while and then suddenly you've got to get it right yep. um, and we each only well there is intersectionality but we only have a lens, a personal lens on diversity, right? You know, I can yeah. speak from my perspective as a black male, but 
someone else as a, a disabled female, for example, has a different perspective. Yeah. And so we can't just make decisions without having everyone in the room. Yeah. So, you know, start by talking, have round tables, do them regularly and make people feel comfortable and that their, their, um, their views are being heard. Um, you know, I do a podcast where I interview candidates who are um, who have been successful in the application process, who um, who can kind of share their stories, essentially. So yeah. for me, it's been an incredible life hack just being able to talk to them and not have to um, guess what they're going through, but literally just hear it direct, directly from yeah. them. Yeah. So, yeah, anything where you can sort of find the if we're talking about candidates anywhere we can you find candidates and hear from them or even do your own podcast and, and do the same thing yeah um i think that's that's hugely hugely valuable so short term those are the the kind of things i would suggest you know we've also got to look at the interview process as well so you know there is unconscious bias and we're, we're not going to tackle that immediately that's a deep-seated mm -hmm. thing that is not going to change overnight but there are little little hacks that you can do to try and get around it for example if you've got a final round interview and you've got one person who's making the call then they are obviously susceptible to that that bias so it's much better to have a bit of variety there so if at the yeah. very least we can have two people in that final round interview to make the decision and rather than them conferring straight after the interview and sort of uh, impacting each other with their own biases, um, you know, they might have interviewed you, Kevin, and said, and someone said, oh, Kevin's amazing. He's really outgoing and gets mm. his point across amazingly well. But my colleague who also interviewed you doesn't quite think the same way, but I've already started to influence that with my perspective. Yeah. So what it's much better to do is separate yourselves and review people separately. Definitely. against a uh, sex scorecard as well yeah so we're being very objective in how we um rate someone and then we come together and talk about after that so we're not impacting each other and we're aligning our assessment to a scorecard yeah generally speaking all application processes should be really laser focused on the actual role itself and assessing for the skills relevant for the role okay. i think the problem you get into when it's kind of job descriptions and CVs and it's quite general, is that you you kind of look at a job description and you try and find someone that matches up to that. Yeah. And you find someone who's maybe been to a similar background to you, similar uni yeah. and so on, yeah. similar, oh, uh, similar industry, similar internship to what we're doing here. And that that sort of narrows your pool straight away. Yeah, cool. Inst yeah, instead it should be thing, you know, the assessment along the way should be focused as much as we can on the skills and focus of the role. And things like video interviews as well, instead of CVs, get rid of the name because you pick up a CV and you see Olatobi are going to pay. It's hard to say, you know, you yeah. couldn't imagine him in your team. But then when you give me a video to do and I'm, you know, I can kind of engage with you that way. Yeah, the tables are turned. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, really? and then you mentioned long term. Do you want me to sort of dive into? No, no, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so there's lots to do, um, and there's the attraction piece, and then there's the, the internal DNI. Um, on the on the attraction piece, as, as I mentioned, it's about finding the community that you want to attract, giving them value first, and then uh, presenting a job opportunity. Some organisations, um, well, let me also talk about the perception. So organisations either struggle to attract um, diverse talent, mm -hmm. or they attract the talent, but they're not successful throughout the application process. Okay. If you're if you're failing to attract, then you need to look at your sort of perception. So this is where yeah. the insights are really important. So as much as you can, you want to give, you know, I would get like film crews down to my office to show the world <laughs> what my what my office looks like. Um, a day simply. in the life. At day in the life. Sort of, yeah. yeah. 
interviews with and hopefully I've got some level of diversity and I can have interviews with lots of different employees because this is yep. really important having your representation in the recruitment marketing campaign so I'll be trying to give as much insight as I can and I would be you know hopefully using the level of diversity I've got already to try to help with, with the promotion um, and and adding value helps with the perception piece as well if then I'm attracting candidates but they, I'm, they're not getting through the application process then I need to look at these deep-seated um, issues that we spoke about at the beginning, which is a lot more of um, you know black and ethnic minority candidates are more so likely to be the first in their family to go to uni. They've maybe not that been down this route road before. Um, top top Russell Group University, high yeah. socioeconomic background. You know, yeah. I'm probably well practiced with consultancy case studies and that kind of thing. So yeah. I'm breezing through it because I've just done it so many times. And guess what? I've done a placement. I've done an internship. So I've been down yeah. this road before. Yeah. If I've got someone who's super talented, but is not from that background and had, maybe it's their first ever video interview, what I should be thinking about is helping to upskill them so that yeah. they're more likely to actually be successful during the process. So I'm doing things like webinars. You know, this is the this is our webinar um, on how to smash our video interview. Here are our top tips um, on how you can be successful. Here's our episode on uh, case studies, and we're going to literally run through it with you. Um, again, we're brand building, we're getting awareness. We can actually use this to get more applications, which is incredible, yeah, of course. but they're also likely to, to be more successful throughout the process. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then there's the internal, the internal things. I think we're going to get onto a bit more of inclusion. Yeah. yeah. Do, no, do you want definitely. me to save that or do you want me to just dive in on? Dive in. Yeah. Dive in. Yeah. So as I said, I think diversity and inclusion is become a massive massive uh, uh, issue now that lots of companies are focused on uh, if we're honest not everyone is doing it well because mm. you know it's, it's not been on the agenda for forever has it for so a long time. suddenly now you've got to get it right and uh, i've spoken to the organizations who have uh, got it right and i've noticed a lot of trends the first one is is data so understanding what your workforce is like in terms of data and, and these diversity metrics. If you don't understand that, you don't know what policies or initiatives to put in place. Mm. Um, similarly with your attraction, you need data on how many uh, people are you getting from different demographics actually applying, or yep. is it they're um, failing throughout the process? If they're failing throughout the process, which why? step in the process is it? Yeah. Exactly, why and what can, we, what can we do about it? Are they taking themselves out of the process? Or are we rejecting them and why are we rejecting them? These are, these are such important things to look at and understand um, because these inform the initiatives you put in place. I think because DNI falls into sort of HR, um, a lot of the times it becomes a little bit more, oh, this is my perception on what we need to do and what we need to fix, but I don't have the data to back it up. And yeah. then it doesn't work. And then you, you don't know why it didn't work or what to do about it because you haven't got the data. So that is if that's, if that's the only takeaway from a DNI standpoint or an inclusion standpoint, then you know this is so vital. Start gathering data right now on your workforce and on the applications and so on. Um, secondly, you know, culture. So whatever you do decide to do, you've got to deeply embed it into the culture. Otherwise, employees kind of just don't believe you. You know what I mean? They, as you, you said yeah. earlier, they see it as a tick box exercise. Yeah. So whatever you do, you've got to do it over and over again, and it's got to be top to bottom. So I've seen employers do things like um, they've got screens all over the office with um, statistics, um, like you know, there's only 
2% of, of um, engineers are, are females in this industry, for example. And these things help just spark up conversation. Okay. You see them every single day and they keep yeah. the conversation going. So it's not just something we do in an event, we keep it going all the time. So do you think, you know, initiatives or, or programs or kind of, kind of actual meaningful steps like that are the most successful way in order to kind of break the barrier and I guess to get a conversation going around internally around, you know, actually, you know, I can imagine two people walking out the corridor and saying, you know, did you see the board in the, I don't know, as you come out of the cafeteria, it says you've only got you know, 3% females in this business. So do you think practical steps around addressing the lack of diversity? And, you know, we're not, we're not kind of honing in purely on racial diversity or gender, you know, it's even neurodiversity. So do you think actual conversations around what kind of actual visible representation in a business for most companies, and you know, like I said, obviously dealing specifically with our property industry as you know, as our listeners today, do you think some of our clients or some of our businesses now visibly going out there taking data on who they have in their business and visibly, I guess, kind of pasting around on, on screens <laughs> across the business could be the best way to get a conversation going? Because I guess for one, I'm sure for most, there'll be a level of feeling maybe quite uncomfortable but then I guess that will then push us to, to get into the right place. So do, do you feel that that's probably the most beneficial and, and the most productive you know, initiative that you've seen is that visual representation as opposed to kind of you know, write it on documents and, and you know, sending it around an email, actually have it in your face 24 seven. Do you think that's the best way around it? Well, well, I'm not done yet, Kevin. So there's lots more to okay, do. Okay, <laughs> crack on. Yeah, long, long way to go. And no, and I think we were chatting about this earlier. Yeah. This is incredibly difficult. This is like, you know, climbing a mountain. It's not just like, you know, going for a walk up a hill. So there's no one set thing you, you can do. You know, there's the attraction piece, which we've kind of talked about. Yeah. Then once you get people into your business, understand your data, then mm. uh, now let's embed it into your, into your culture. So absolutely having visual representations of what's important to you around the business, I think is, is vital, first of all. Then, you know, as I said earlier, have conversations. So make sure you've got roundtables and events where you can discuss these things, you know, share stories. So, you know, at the start of, a, of maybe not every single meeting, but maybe a weekly meeting, why not share a story from uh, someone who's from a neurodiverse background in your business who uh, where, they, where they share, you know, this is what I've gone through. This is where I'm at now. Or maybe we don't even need to do that. And we focus on someone, a story that we found externally, you know, that inspires the organization or just helps people understand challenges certain people are facing. You know, yep. I think these, these storytelling piece, it can, it can really help. Um, and then there's, then, then there's a lot more action you can actually take. So, you know, there are, for example, KPIs. So I think the organizations that go the furthest are the most effective. So yeah. what I'm seeing is organizations um, looking at, okay, we've got pay gaps, we've got issues with progression, we've got issues with representation at senior roles. Um, what can we do to alleviate that? Well, let's deeply embed that into their KPIs of senior leaders so that you, you I know obviously it's going to vary based on the company, but maybe you don't get financial incentives or bonuses and stuff, stuff like that if there's issues with uh, pay gaps and progression in your, yeah. in your teams, if your yeah. team isn't that diverse. Um, maybe you, you're not able to kind of get all your commission. Um, yeah. you know, these are these are kind of extreme I'm sure, things. I'm sure that'll kick people into action pretty rapidly. I think so, yeah. I mean, if you want um, great results, sometimes you've got to make 
great measures you know it can't just be wishy-washy things and not all organizations are comfortable with those kind of things but i'm just sharing with you kind of what i've seen work really well so you know when you deeply embed it into someone's kpis it, it becomes like a target of of trying to improve on this the same way you try and improve on your financials or your marketing or whatever it should literally yeah. be that from my perspective and if anything more important i guess if anything more important which is why it should also be included in interviews as well so if i'm hiring for a senior leader i want to know what are they going to do for dni you know what are their perspectives on it even if it's if they've got a completely unrelated role i still want them to be all in on diversity and inclusion and i want to know if if it's important to them. So it's going to be part of my hiring process as well. Of course. Awesome. Look, I think, I guess kind of almost taking a few steps back, I think understanding discrimination in itself, it, it's quite easy just to even deny that it even exists. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And, you know, you know, I saw an old chart the other day, we'll look at the chart and it said, you know, that's almost the fear zone. When you fail to address something, it doesn't exist. Would you say that you've ever experienced, you know, discrimination in the workplace or discrimination professionally? And, and if so, how, how did you deal with it? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to, to talk about. What, what I've definitely found, and, and sometimes you find in, in this, well, in the corporate world, I guess, generally, you know, and I do think we have a challenge with institutional racism in the UK, um, but it's difficult because it's not always overt and it's not always clear. So you don't always yeah. know when you're being discriminated against. I've certainly found, so as I said earlier, my full name is, is Ola Toby. Um, I've certainly found that uh, changing that to Toby um, in emails and outreach has far is far more effective. In CVs, I've noticed that myself. I used to work in sales. I had all Toby going to phase in my email when I changed it to Toby. It was I got much better uh, response Result. rates and sales and results. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I kept it that way for, for that uh, purpose because you know I wanted those sales. <laughs> um, you know, I, that's I a shame go, though, isn't it? It's, it's almost it, having yeah. to drop a little bit of who you are in order to get something you want. And I guess that's the whole discussion around diversity and inclusion. Is I should be able to come to the table as who I am in my you know in my entirety. And, and you, you know, whoever you are on the other side of the table, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a business partner, a client, you should be able to appreciate me for who I am 100%. And I, absolutely. I guess that's, that's a real issue. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Now, what I would say to candidates is if you're having to do those things, then you need to assess if you're in the right place, right? And mm. you know, for me personally, I, I do go by Toby normally. My, that's what my mom calls me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that that's just something I picked up on. And, you know, Generally, as a philosophy, I previously had, so I'm a quite a competitive person. You know, I grew up doing athletics. I did that for 11 okay. years. I wanted to be a 100-meter sprint, sprint in the Olympics. That was the goal. Didn't quite get there. But not far right. off, not far off. You're, you're on a dev cast, so... Um, <laughs> I'm I on the dev cast. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. i got a voice now, so that, that's even better. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite a competitive person, so I take it more as a just a personal challenge of oh, there's, there's a challenge with this. Cool, I'm going to smash through and I'm going to be the absolute best person you've had in this team. That's more how I approached it, which I think uh, is good for me personally. But I think um, 
I've got a much more mature view over time, which is let's speak up if we've got an issue. And um, if you if I face any discrimination or if I see elsewhere or, or we have a lack of um, diversity or we're not being inclusive of, of the disabled person in my team, then I got much better at saying, actually, totally, don't be selfish. You've got to look at everyone else as well and, and also yeah. help other people come through as well in the future to the organization. Um, so I think that's where it flipped for me to not just think about things personally, but thinking let's make this better for other people. For other people. I think other people probably can suffer more uh, mentally than, than I did, you know, with that discrimination. As I said, you know, I've, I've faced some discrimination before that, you know, in my personal life being, being younger, because um, I, I grew up in the Midlands, which isn't the most diverse uh, place in the world. Okay. Um, so you do have those sort of challenges. So I guess I kind of got a bit used to it by the time I got to the corporate world. And I just thought, well, the way you, you get by it is just being the best of the best. So because yeah. no one can argue with you then. And um, I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but once you, if we look at it from a positive standpoint, once you get into an organization as someone who maybe is the only person that represents your demographic in the organization, you actually have a bit of an advantage now because, you know, if you are doing really well, that company is going to want to hold on to you. It's going to want to learn from your perspective um, and so on. So I, I actually found it to be advantageous to be um, sort of thriving in, in my role. And, and yeah, if that makes sense. Awesome. Awesome. No, I mean, look, it's fantastic to hear. And I guess probably the, the only kind of sad note on that is the fact that you felt you had to almost overachieve in order to be accepted uh, for what you did. And, you know, and hopefully these conversations and, you know, being more audible about, the, you know, I guess the difficulties we're facing in the industries, you know, and the more sister property as well, that is going to go a long way to kind of eradicating, eradicating these issues. Another question for you, Toby, how can individuals, I'm sure somebody's probably listening today um, at some point in saying to themselves, I've heard all of these things, I've heard about these initiatives, what can I actually do to educate myself and my team in order to ensure that we don't have the discrimination in the workplace and we don't have you know these issues what kind of in terms of you know is, are there materials you can recommend are there i don't know podcasts mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know what can i do to educate my team so that we actually have practical landmarks that we're hitting not from a, an external point of view but actually internally just educating ourselves what can we yeah. do yeah i mean there's um there's a there's a book you know that the fa famous one now um why i'm no longer talking to white people about race um it's just an interesting read i think uh, to get a bit more perspective on this that's an Who's easy that one that anyone can go and do um authors slip my mind but you can easily easily okay. find that one on on amazon it's a good book um on top of that it's, it's literally as simple as what what we were talking about earlier which is having the conversations so i think i think um i feel for like senior white leaders especially in the in a business uh, maybe more so senior white male leaders in a business yeah. are a little bit scared to ask these questions and have these conversations um that I, I want to try and get rid of if in any way, if I can, you know, I think I can't speak for absolutely everyone, but me personally, I would love to have uh, senior people come to me and ask mm. me my perspective on this and other things, but you know, ha and, and what you can always do is speak from your own perspective. So you shouldn't expect everyone um, who is, is um, uh, an ethnic minority or underrepresented in your business to be an expert on diversity, but yeah. they can at least be an expert on their, their selves and their own perspective. So what I want to do is kind of make people feel more comfortable. Go and, go and have these conversations. Ask people personally. And don't just do it with the, the um, ethnic minority in the business. Do it with everyone in the business. Understand 
what's their perspective on, on diversity and inclusion? Are we getting it right? Are we doing it wrong? How do you feel? Do you think this is, could impact you wanting to leave our business? You know, we want to keep you here. How can we do better? Let's have those conversations. Fantastic. Fantastic. Are there any areas, you know, I guess as we're kind of coming towards the end of our conversation, are, are there any other areas that you feel, you know, for somebody listening, you know, for the 45 minutes, 50 minutes of, of the conversation, are there any areas or any kind of key takeaways you want people to take away as, as, as we, um, you know, as they listen today? Yeah, I guess to, to have, have empathy really. Um, mm. When I think sometimes we're getting it wrong, we sort of blame external factors will say oh well the industry isn't diverse or you know we're putting our jobs in the right places and we're not getting because because you know it's something else there's always something else um i think just take sort of extreme ownership with it and just think you know how can we be better and then empathy for what your target demographic is going through and then from that try and put initiatives in place to try to alleviate that challenge so you know i think it's about empathy and, and i teach the candidates that as well I teach them to be empathetic about rec what recruiters are going through and saying to them, look, they're going through hundreds of CVs to this role. Yours has got to be concise. You've got to get um, your points across clearly because they're going to scan it in a few seconds. So, you know, and equally, I like them to go into interviews and have a two-way conversation because you're talking to a human on the other side of the table. So that is helping them be more effective. And I think employers yeah. can do the exact same. The more you empathize and try to understand what someone's going through, I think the better you can meet their needs. And, um, and just, I guess, uh, other words to sort of share is like, I do think this is becoming more and more important and the best candidates are, are looking at what organizations are doing. Yeah. And if you're not doing these things, you're now behind. Whereas previously it was a bit of a, you know, there's Great lots of other factors to look at. Now, if, you're, if you don't have solid diversity and inclusion initiatives in, in, in place, you know, they might even be asking you about this in the interviews. They certainly ask me. So if you don't yeah. have those in place, you're going to be falling behind it is what I would say as well. Toby, question. I'm often hearing the term, and I often have heard over my years of recruiting, the term cultural fit. What are your views on that term? Should we be looking for a cultural fit or should we be looking for, you know, should we be looking for a fit at all? What does a fit mean? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like cultural fit. It sounds, especially if I'm not diverse. So if I, if I walked into a business now and I'm hired as their head of DNI, and we've got an issue with the diversity, that's why they want me to kind of solve it. I'm not putting cultural fit all over my job descriptions because if the perception of my organization is that it's not diverse, then cultural fit kind of sounds like I want more people that already look like the people in my business. Mm. So I wouldn't be personally using that phrase. I prefer that everything aligned to values. So, you know. So value fit. Value, yeah. If you want to say value fit, I'm 100% on board with that. Every organization's got a few key things that they stand for in terms of their core values. And absolutely, you want to find people that are aligned to that, you know, whether it's innovation, collaboration, whatever your, your key values are, then that's absolutely fine. I think that sounds right for me as a candidate. Oh, so they're not that diverse, but they really align well to what's important to me. Oh, that's the place I want to work. So I think that's the key difference there. Yeah, fantastic. So I think for our listeners there, I think language language is, is a key issue, I believe, in the DNI world. And I think I think that's probably where a lot of people are actually avoiding certain parts of DNI because they don't know what language to use. You know, can I say that? Is it okay if I say that? Can I do this? I think language is key. So you know, it's, it's been a question I've asked myself for quite a long time. Is 
oftentimes you're sitting with clients and you know even with candidates and somebody saying to you, you know what's their cultural fit i've always thought to myself like you said if you're in a minority then actually you're never going to fit because there aren't a plethora of people like you so i think the value fit is really key and i think the knock-on from there is companies need to define what their values are if they can define what their five or six values are and actually live and breathe those values then they can effectively say to somebody actually can you fit these values of being collaborative being a team worker i don't know being whatever it is can you fit these values and those values cut across race cut across gender cut across, cut across sexual orientation neurodiversity you know creed whatever it is values are values and i think that's that's a really powerful um powerful powerful way of looking at things um, and hopefully our, our listeners will take something away from that a few quick fire questions if you had 10 minutes to learn with boris johnson what would you say oh that is uh that's Today, a good one considering where we are in june 2021 if you had 10 minutes with boris johnson what would you say what would you ask him I mean, obviously, for me, you know, that the report that he commissioned, uh, which found that there's no institutional racism in the UK, you know, I think that was a, that was offensive to a lot of people, including me. Um, yeah. I think it's it flat out wrong. I think, you know, that in itself is almost the worst sign of institutional racism. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact that they, they, they essentially kind of blamed it on um, uh, ethnic minorities that kind of said, oh, it's because th these things have happened in history and so it, you're haunted by it now. I, I actually kind of struggled to, I actually ignored it for a little bit because I yeah. couldn't believe it. Um, but, you know, that was completely outrageous. I would I would hope that they would find some way to review that and then get some external people in. And, and because the thing is, if you don't admit that you have a problem, you're never going to solve it. Yeah, it's as simple yeah. as that. You're never going to solve it. You've got to admit the problem first. Whatever you want to solve in life, you've got to admit there's a challenge first and then you solve it. You know, there's a funny thing here going on, which is, you know, one side of things we're saying there's no institutional racism, but on the other side of things, we've we've clearly got all these, these issues. You know, black people are 10, 10 more times likely to be stopped and searched, for example. So, yeah. you know, that's just an easy, easy example there. But, you know, there should be some optimism because there's so many now platforms organizations uh like previously i wasn't doing anything in this world over the past year i've built a platform to to help uh, young ethnic minorities land roles with inclusive employers so boris has now got to look at this um terrific company terrific um country that we have and think you know what there's incredible there's byp over here there's seo london here yeah there's diverse over here we need to let these guys absolutely go run with it because they're going to make me look good when they have a big impact on, on yeah. our society and make real, real change. So, you know, we've got incredible initiatives, Boris, is what I would be saying to us. You know, give us give us um, all the space to sort of grow and have an make impact and kind of, you know, make up for what you're what you're lacking, essentially. And and give the kids the school meals as well. Like it shouldn't take Marcus <laughs> Ratchford to, you know, have know. a word with you about that. So. I know. Well, I'm a Man United fan, so I'm very biased towards him myself. <laughs> and really quickly, if you could own any building in the world, what would it be and what would you do with it? Any hmm. building across the world. Think about all the amazing architecture and amazing buildings we've got across the world. If you could own any, which one would it be and what would you do with it? Amazing architecture. So I'll, I'll stay close to home though. So I'm in London right now. I'm based okay. in London. So I'll stick with London. 
I'm looking at the BT Tower right now at the window. I'll leave that. I'll, I'll go. I'll go for the shard because that that stands out. I'm sure okay. you, if you've asked this question before, I imagine that will come up. So we've got the shard <laughs> around the corner. Um, it stands out, so that would be good. I got the I got the tourist uh, benefit. I've got lots yep. of eyeballs. I'll put diverse on there, so just the okay. word diverse um, <laughs> to sort of you know bit of uh, brand awareness, but also you know what that's what we stand for. I think. Again, talk about visual representation. Let's have that going all the time. Yeah. Um, I would have that change color. So I'd have, um, you know, Black History Month, it's in black. Um, you know, uh, LGBTQ month, it's rainbow. You know, St. Yeah. Patrick is green. I would mix it up. I would sort of celebrate the diversity we have in this country. That's what I would use that for. Um, I'd probably start my own own TV show as well. And I would... I would have that based in the shard. So it's like, you know, you come in, that's what people think about. And maybe we have like a, almost like a dragon's den where we invest in like a diverse founders or something like that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, and maybe maybe you win a floor in the shard or something for your office. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely got the plans. Definitely got the plans. That's a good, well, that's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely is. Look, Toby, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Um, lots of you know real key takeaways and i think the most important for me was around the value fit out of everything we discussed i think that's something that companies can go away or our listeners can go away and very i guess practically put into place is actually let's change some language that we're using at the moment you know very you know kind of listening and, and i guess discussing specific to property you know let's change some of the language let's change some of our approach and i guess let's now really carve out a value fit as opposed to a cultural fit and, and I, I believe that will push many to actually define their values. What do we stand for as a business? What do we stand for as a, you know, as an entity? And, and hopefully moving forward, we can, you know, like you said, it's a long road and I don't think a 45, 50 minute podcast is going to be, you know, it's going to be the, the answer to everything, but I think conversation, I think constant education is, is, is the way forward. So Toby, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, thank you so much. It, it's been nice sitting on the other side of um, the other side of the desk with the other side of the table interviewing you this time um, and I'm hopeful that we can um, you know this will be the first of, of, of many many devcasts with you um, do you just want to quickly mention your social media um, handles sure yeah if anyone needs to get to us so um, website is wearediverse.io um, equally you know if you want to drop us an email hello at wearediverse.io um instagram uh youtube it's all we are diverse so no excuse should be easy to find us awesome ladies and gentlemen this is devcast thank you very much and hear from you soon you can join the ds movement by visiting ds.devrelsmith.com and you will receive the latest devcast episode direct to your inbox